gaming podcast the podcast that's yeah i i know who put him in charge of pushing I the button know. again put me in charge of this thing <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, here we go again. You were just doing my job typically when mm, recording mm. this. To say we're going and then say, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are Troy Sandlin and John Christian. You fellas doing all right? Doing good. Fantastic. Peachy. Well, we uh, are fresh off of a new uh, official WotC hardcover release, and we decided uh, now is the time. Uh, This is the hour, and we're going to dive in a little bit to uh, a section of that book that we found fascinating. Um, Mm. Namely, we're going to be talking about the group patrons section tonight, Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll probably bounce back to the other sections uh, in in future episodes, but uh, we're going to talk about what we kind of gravitated towards first and talk about what we liked there. Um, So that's on the agenda for this evening. Before that, though, we have some new news to chat about. Uh, I'm going to lead us off um, because I'm really excited about mine. Um, if you missed it right here on Twitch, I say right here on Twitch because this is our second live recording of the podcast and you can check us out on Twitch, uh, when we do these now. Um, but right here on Twitch, just a few hours previous, a living Greyhawk, uh, memory stream, we'll call it, uh, was, was live and they had a round table discussion from ye olden days of Living Greyhawk, before my time, uh, at least, um, in, in the RPGA world. Uh, Troy, now. This, <laughs> before my time. Not, not before, <laughs> yeah, not before Troy's time. Uh, <laughs> almost, almost before my time. Almost. Uh, yeah, right right there. Um, no, it was really great. Um, I caught the tail end of it. I'm going to go back and, and, and watch the rest of it because uh, it was excellent. Um the host had uh, a couple of writers from Greyhawk, uh, Mike Bridges and Casey Brown, and then uh, uh, a lady named Anna Meyer, who I didn't know, but I kind of did a quick look up, and she does a lot of uh, Greyhawk cartography. Um, and they were all discussing it, and then he had uh, Stephen McFarland, Greg Marks from AL, um, and David Christ from Baldman Games as guests on as well so six six folks plus the host and it was really good i was really enjoying it i caught about the last 20 minutes and uh, i'm gonna hype that we're gonna put the link um in the show notes uh, because i think this is something if you if you were a player during that time i think you would find it uh exponentially more interesting perhaps but uh also, if you're interested in organized play and what it looked like um, a few decades ago, this is a good opportunity there as well. Uh, so I'm gonna po- I'm gonna hype that, and we'll put the link down there. Um, John, you got a couple that you want to talk about. I do. Yeah. So last week I stuck, or earlier this week, excuse me, I stuck to some mainstream stuff. This time I, uh, I dug around Kickstarter to try to find some new stuff that I love, and man, I I found I found a twofer. Uh, first off, I love maps, I love tactical play, I love grid play. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about is um, Immersive Battle Ma- uh, Atlas. There is a Kickstarter that's going on right now with uh, pre-printed, non-porous battle mats that are uh, dry erase, wet erase, safe. Uh, they've got some uh, uh, adhesion through uh, like magnetic backings and things like that for tokens and stuff. They've got the uh, static cling uh, uh, art assets that you can add to it. Like if you want to put a wagon in there or something like that in order to kind of like to customize the, the map. The artwork's absolutely gorgeous. Incredibly colorful, clean, crisp, and there are 60 of them. Um, they've even got... There's another one that I know that they're, they're working on. I'm not sure if it's these guys or somebody else. There's another one that's out there that's actually like a pop-up. 
Yes. Uh, battle seen, maps yeah. that I've seen that are really cool mm-hmm. too. Uh, I don't think that's these. Uh, I think that's somebody so. else. But the yeah, but these yeah. are gorgeous. Uh, they they're currently sitting around two hundred and thirty five thousand dollars. So they've definitely hit their goals and they're starting to rocket through all of their their uh, their uh, their their extra goals and uh, and getting those those uh, those um, those bonuses in for all of their pledgers. So. For all their backers, excuse me. So it's got 20 days uh, to go as of right now, but uh, I mean, it looks really, really good. And I mean, I, it's uh, it's it's hard to it's not it's not a hard sell, honestly. There's just uh, they for, like they're frozen waste. There's there are outdoor, indoor dungeons, deserts, forests. I mean, pretty much any kind of environment you can think of. They've also got uh, it's. Like if you wanted to get all sixty of the maps, you're looking at about 105 bucks. Uh, but every single one of them, they're all double sided too, so you're kind of getting uh, you're getting a two for for each one. Really, really cool. All for good for grid play. Good for like uh, just throw it in, into the book, fold it up in the book, or put it in your backpack or something like that, and take it with you instead of having to lug around a bunch of extra extra stuff. So that was my first one for the week, and we'll put those obviously in the in the show notes. Yeah, and and I'll go ahead and say like. Um I saw that one and I think it's really cool. I, you were you mentioned in passing the um, Upzone mm-hmm. Kickstarter. I that's pretty expensive right now. I mean, it's you get a lot for your money, so mm-hmm. you know that it's probably worth it. I think it's a hundred bucks for one box, um, yeah. but that that it, idea has terrain. legs. Yeah, that that idea has terrain. legs. Three dimensional mm-hmm. pop up terrain that folds out lets you create an immersive battle scene in moments um and, and that it looks supports good. the weight of, of metal minis multiple yeah metal metal minis yeah mm-hmm. if i was yeah, working, I, I dug around trying to find that one in particular in order to, to to promote that one i could not find it for the life of me so i'm glad that you remembered it because that was another one of those was like that is pretty cool to, yeah to tote yeah. around uh, and use. if i was if i was a war gamer more than a rpg player I I fi- feel like that would be a hard thing to pass up because it, it's so efficient. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. What's your other one here, John? Yeah. So I went from I'm going from from accessories to actual uh, gameplay content. So yeah, you, you the, stole this one. I, I was gonna I was gonna jump in on this one, but yeah. Oh man, yeah. Asunder is uh, forty three thousand dollars in. They've they've hit their their pledge goal, and now they're uh, they're working on the extras, right? Uh, Asunder, it is interesting. I'm, I'm a sucker for a post-apocalyptic setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, post-apocalyptic fantasy, fantasy settings in particular, you look at Dark Sun and the like. Um, the, what is it? The uh, Blades in the Dark is another really, really good one. Uh, the Lost Citadel is fantastic. We talked about that before on the show. So it's inevitable. If I, can, if I, if I find it, I'm probably going to end up bringing it up. Asunder, the... the, the, the nothing MacGuffin. Um, the basic premise is that the gods tore out all of the metal in the world and then they ran off and so now they've left behind a fantasy world monsters elves dwarves and the like without any means of uh of metal whatsoever and uh uh, and so you kind of have the the same this again that post-apocalyptic environmental uh catastrophe feel that you've got from dark sun without a lot of the you know the blistering difficulty of some of the environ environs that you've got yeah. and the political intrigue that comes with it the the sur- there's like that survival aspect that I love to games uh, I'm a I've said it before I love levels 1 through 5 are my favorite levels I love the struggle of the first through fifth level di- uh, di- dirty gritty uh, difficulty of of uh, playing in a game and running a game so uh, this kind of has that feel you stay it feels like you're going to stay at first through fifth level throughout the entire thing and it's not just a fantasy setting in in the traditional sense i'm looking through some of the art and reading some of the stuff and they've like there are creatures that have bio mech suits mm-hmm. in the game yeah. like there's 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 yeah. it's definitely a, a civilization or a setting that remembers tech yeah and yeah, is it's... finding ways to supplement what was that thundar the barbarian do you guys remember that Oh yeah, that's, that's oh my, my god, right? Favorite cartoon, man. Okay, so it's it fit, that's what it felt like to me, where it's like mm-hmm. there had been technology at one point or another, and so there was like a the re- rediscovery of the technology or 
um, it's just it's like technology is almost like a, a magic or a, there's a hybridization between them uh, between the magic itself uh, so yeah you're right so it, it remembers it right there's like the echo of technology or the memory of it and uh, something is trying there are magic kind of fills tries to fill in the gaps and biology fills in the gaps for the technology that was lost so like, sim like, like symbiotic uh, 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 symbiotes and a lot of the, the monsters and things like that uh, there are like uh, biomechanical things that are grafted onto your arms that are used as weapons and uh, yeah it's really really cool but, uh, that's another one and it's gorgeous the artwork is like uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for the art top notch. It's like yeah, fantastic it's it is yeah I mean this is this is as good if not better than anything else that's out there right now this is par excellence with any other book that's that's being printed yeah. uh, that's yeah. in print uh, for sure it says that it's uh, created by Adam Lawson, who's the director of Will Wheaton's Tabletops and hmm. other stuff. So okay, it's, I didn't it's got a pedigree in the was. tabletop world, right? So, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm rooting for it. I've already, I've already, I've been, they've already got my money. So I'm gonna, I'm going, <laughs> yeah, I'm going with the is, physical copy not, and the PDF. And it's not five E. It's it's its own nope system. System. Yep. Yeah. Nope. It looks like it's a D twenty plus D sixes. Like maybe yeah. they've cut mm -hmm. out some of the dice in between but that's cool right interesting yep those are my Troy, two got anything for us you know what i'm i just want to talk about tasha's <laughs> mm -hmm. i'm I'm, <laughs> well, I'm ready to talk about tasha's yeah okay so this is a so we'll, we'll we'll we just did our dessert i should have probably said that before but you guys know what we're talking about um we're gonna get into our main course now um tasha's is one of the hardcover types that we get only once every few years, right? It's yeah. not a yearly release, this player-centric book. And every time one of these comes out, it makes waves. Yes. More so than any other book could make waves in D&D right now. Um, this is the, this is, I would argue this book is a must-buy along with Xanathar's and everything else, mm -hmm. um, simply oh, because yeah. um, it's, it's the next step forward for player characters. Um, and I already have players in my current campaigns asking if they can use Tasha's because, and, and I think that we'll talk about the player options um, in another episode, but like Tasha's is another step forward in the design philosophy as well. In the evolution what, mm -hmm. of, the, of yeah. the, uh, the technology of the game. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about here. Um, and we knew that we were going to dive into some of this book. There are other podcasts that are going to do, uh, you know, um, what's the one that we could talk about real quick? Down with D&D &D does uh, oh, yeah. a really good job of walking through a lot of the books when they release, just kind of like chapter by chapter, piece by piece. That's great. Um, and it's not to say we aren't going to cover different sections in different episodes, but our approach is going to be a little bit different in that we want to focus on the things that we are drawn to. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got this book on D&D Beyond, I was drawn to this section. And I think this is a, to kind of get us rolling here, I think this is a really, really smart section for them to include in this book. I think that oh, yeah. I would have loved to have seen this. And I know like you learn as you progress and the game is evolving and all that. But like, I think this would have been even cool as like dropped in the, official player's handbook in 2014, right? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is, in my mind, this is a component of 5th edition that was maybe missing that now right. we have. Well, it's also, it, or it was in there, but it wasn't fleshed out, right? Because we talked yes. about it before where you've got, you don't have necessarily patrons, but you have factions that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. uh, but all of those rules are obfuscated or they're, they're elsewhere, either in the, D, in the DMG, or if they're not in the DMG, they're like in the Adventurer League documents somewhere or buried or under. just kind of spoken of and not actually right. ruled out. They're, they're, they're exactly. Or, out. You have to do or it yourself. Or really nebulous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's still a little bit of that here. By and large, I'm going to come right out and say, like, I think that this is a really well-written chapter and mm -hmm. really well-written guide. That being said, we'll, we'll probably touch on some things that I would tweak for when, when this comes to uh, my game. Um, but but well, we'll get there. Let's, can we do this, right? So those that haven't gotten the book yet or that are on the fence about it or they don't have access to the material, all we've really said so far is 
group patrons. What does that mean exactly? Do we want yeah, to kind of give everybody a pretty good idea of like what is what does that really mean from not necessarily from like a mechanical standpoint, but it's we're we talking about warlock patrons. Are we talking about something else? Right. So we kind of want to flesh that out a bit for everybody. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Troy, you're the one that's excited about it. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you tell us about it? Uh, gr- group patrons is is that uh, nebulous thing that you always kind of talk about during character generation. You know, it's it's uh, you're this person, you're this, you know, all these different characters. Why are you sitting at the table together, going on this adventure? The group patron is the glue. It's it's mm. it's the uh, you know Agent Coulson of your of your group. It's it's why you're together. Um, and it's certainly just, one way that that can be. Yeah. Yeah. It, right. it, is is kind of the thing, um, and it gives you that drive. It, it it helps you, you know. Well, why are you doing this? Well, because our group patron told us that they needed us to do this. Oh, okay. Why do you know each other? Well, because our group patron has put us together. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just a an in story way of getting your your PCs, giving your PCs some common ground, and also helping to flesh out those backgrounds and giving you more things to do within the world itself. And like Zach said, this is a really well thought out and written chapter. And I don't think they really missed a whole lot. And as as we go through some of the individual types of patrons that will come to light. Okay. So let me make sure I understand it. So this is, um, this is the, they are, they're organizations, some form of organization that you owe so either fealty, allegiance, or you owe a debt to, maybe. Or, or you're right? just part of. Or you're yeah, part of, right? And they could be organizations or, or, or individuals. Or individuals. Right. Individuals, right, right. But it is essentially, it's either Charlie from Charlie's Angels, or it's Colson from S.H.I.E.L.D., or whatever, right? Whoever is doling out either the, the resources or the quests, right? In my, uh, to, 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 do a perfect tie-in with what with last week's topic uh, in my Icewind Dale or my Rime of the Frost ma- Maiden setting. The group patron for my party is Lord Elrond, right? Mm. He set the stage and is perfect, right? Like the one thing that Icewind Dale, that fr- gosh, Frost Maiden doesn't do is give you a good lead into why your characters are together and to kind of set them on the task of uncovering the the sinister plot behind the rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, in my game, I said, let's fix that. Let's do Lord Elrond. Lord Elrond would be a perfect patron here, just a very distant patron mm-hmm. by the time they get up to Icewind Dale. Right. Because um, it, it, it does, uh, what you said, Troy, it binds characters together for a singular purpose starting out. It's a great way to launch a campaign, is that gathering. But then also what this section talks about is that the influence of the patron and the resources of the patron then become a a living part of your party's adventure and story going forward. Yep. Um, that's the part that I think they did a good job of really um, giving the DM a lot of tools in their tool set to, to, to give a well-rounded experience. That being said, I love that this is in a player's book and not in a dm's book Mm -hmm. because this is really written to be player facing as a as a chapter in my opinion there's very clear rules at least in part for what you get for Mm -hmm. aligning yourself with these patrons as a player these are tangible benefits well to your point to your point, this, if I were to take this and plug this into the PHP, it would go right after backgrounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like you and, could and literally, tra- like from what I've read, everything, you could transplant the whole thing in there. And to your point, it is player-facing. It's customizable. It's not, it is not hard and fast rules. There are, they are, there are examples that are fleshed out that are in there that are fantastic. But it's there's more to it than that. It's like the player has the agency or the group of players have the agency to build up their own patron in order to make it dovetail correctly with the, the campaign. And that's actually, I think, what they want you to do. It talks about the DM working with his with the with the table 
players to create mm -hmm. the patron. It's not something that the DM necessarily hands you, though you could. And it's not something that one player would necessarily pick. And there's a they, they even help with that idea. You mentioned backgrounds. Backgrounds can factor heavily in that they show... Oh, yeah. Uh, they call them roles. How to take mm -hmm. a background that you've picked for your character and make it a role within the patron's organization. Yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I can actually see this... See, I, I think, me personally, I think character creation is laid out incorrectly in the PHB. Oh, 100%. It's backwards. Mm -hmm. um, to me, you should start with things like the trinkets and the backgrounds and mm -hmm. then build. Yep. Because 100%. you're, you know, the thing... If you want to throw race in there too, but yeah, if you want Clash to, should be the last thing. Clash should be the last thing. Right. And... This, the group patrons, should or very well could be the very first thing you sit down at, at your session zero. All right, well, discuss. background. Race, background. Or back, yeah, race, background, patron, right? I, I think this should be the first thing. Because you could hammer all of this out. It's like the DM can, can explain. Because it's a group concept, Yeah, right? it's a group concept. Uh, yeah. Here, here's what I'm wanting to, run, wanting to run. Here's the premise. Here's the this. What kind of a patron do you want to work for? And you discuss this, then that will inform everything else going forward. Then you don't necessarily have to sit there and create your character with the entire group around and hope that it fits. You've already got the outline of your puzzle piece. Now you can create whatever you want to create, and it's going to fit in that group patron. So... Let me, let me throw this, before we kind of dig into this, let me let me ask you of kind of a, what could be possibly a, a provocative question. Do you think that this is the the beginnings of a five point five, where they're no. not re it's it's not re it's not a reinvention. We're not hang on, but well, bear with me. It's not it's not a reinvention. It's not the, the effectively like what they did with three point five was almost reengineering the game in a lot of different places. Right? These are things that make sense. Like why wasn't this in the PHB? kind of details to where they don't do a 5.5 necessarily, but they reprint the PHB and it's like the PHB deluxe or that's the PHB complete or whatever, like whatever you want to call it. And they start taking bits and bobs out of this, the, or the, the new origins and the, like the, uh, the, those features that, and the functionality there were, yes, this is the Paragon or the archetypical race, but if you want to do your own thing, here are the rules for doing that too. That seems to me like you transplant that directly into the PHB as an optional variant if you want to. It all kind of makes sense for it to end up being in the same place. These are not just auxiliary items. This is like this is what the, the Unearthed Arcana actually felt like to me back in the AD&D days. Yeah. And it really is kind of what it did too, right? Paladin and a lot of the Cavalier and yeah, a lot of the... The Barbarian and the yeah. Acrobat. It That's where the, all of that came from the, U, the, from the UA. And so you're seeing this now. It almost feels like at some point or another... They could, and that's what they're doing a lot of the times too, right? So they're reprinting and they're rebranding or they're rebuilding and refreshing the Sword Coast Adventurer Guide subclasses and features. Xanathar's Guide, I know that it, Xanathar's Guide got some stuff that was was tweaked and it was reprinted here. Some of the spell spells and even the, the Artificer class got pulled out of Eberron and put in here. You see them doing that. That seems like that's kind of a a path that Wizards is taking. Do you see, not to completely derail the, the, the conversation, but do you feel like that's kind of what they're they're leading to? I, I, I do not. I think this is a realignment, right? It's, 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 I think Tasha's feels like them kind of like whatever direction they were headed and maybe they were a bit scattered beforehand, but I think Tasha's is narrowing the focus and saying this is the direction that we want to pursue with the feel of the game. So maybe if you're asking like is 5.5, is this like 5.5? It only in that I think it's really them being as clear as they can with how they imagine the game being moving forward. Hmm. I, I look at it like this. When when fifth edition first came out, there were two things. There was two design elements that uh, that they talked about. And the first one is and I personally like it, but it is, you know, much reviled by a lot of people. And that is the PHB plus one. Mm -hmm. And the reason why the PHB plus one is, is actually hard coded into the 5e rule set. And here's how. Every new book that comes out is only balanced to the PHB. 
It is yeah. not balanced to every other book that came out mm-hmm. afterwards. And they they did that to lessen, you know, new player buy-in and understanding yeah. and to lessen uh, power bloat. Yeah. And when you have certain classes or abilities or spells or whatever that were in, say, Sword Coast Adventures Guide mm-hmm. that everybody loves, but sadly, that's the only thing they loved out of that book. Mm-hmm. You now have to take some of those pieces and parts and put them in one of the newer books so that that PHB plus one is is still worthwhile for that idea, that yeah. character class or that mm-hmm. spell. So that's what goes forward with that. Also, the other design element was 5E was going to be modular, plug and play. This is a an example of that plug and play aspect. Yeah. If if you don't want to be able to tweak your your races, you know, with the new Tasha's way of doing it, you don't have to plug that in in your home game. I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that, but you don't have to if you don't want to. If you want your you know, if you always want your orcs to be evil and your your cobalts to be dumb, that's that's on you. You can do that. But with Tasha's you could you plug that piece in, bang, good to go. You you want group patrons? You plug that into your to your campaign, you're good to go. And it gives you which that's what the DMG is full of, is plug and play modularity to your campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just to me is just continuing on in that vein. I still think we're quite a ways away from anything looking like a five point five or a sixth edition yeah i certainly don't see a six like anywhere on the horizon i think this is one of the this is one of the longer longevity editions i I think that we're going to see i think so too i think it's in it's a really good pocket that it's in right now at least for me i'm i'm obviously i'm obviously i'm sold right um Mm -hmm. it is but i I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm convinced, as convinced as the two of you are. I can definitely see them in the near future, the next two years or so, doing a similar thing to what they did with the D&D Essentials in 4th four, in Edition, because that's another thing that they did before, where it's like, no, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. I know. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that I'm an advocate for it. I'm saying I can see them doing it, right? That's definitely, I mean, you've seen, you've, that's a trail that they've that they've gone down before. Where it's like, yeah. I'm I'm with you. I mean, like, I don't want I don't want anybody's player's handbook to be obsolete necessarily. That's why I'm saying they made a branding as something like PHB complete, right? Your PHB still works. Nothing in it is wrong. There's not there's no errata in it that's going to make it obsolete necessarily. It's just not going to be as complete or as full as this comprehensive codex codices of. We took all of the good stuff that we loved from the other books and we're going to cram it into this thing. And now this is what. Fifth edition is it's still for the dish fifth edition in the past, but this is what like to to Zach's point. This is like the design features. These are the design features that we really want to promote as part of the game itself. So yeah. I'll, I'll be who knows. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. Um, I anyway, think it's definitely a different, interesting direction, and and it it has suggestions of things to come. Um, mm-hmm. this, speaking of patrons, let's 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 hop in and let's do yes. some of the. Uh, uh, specifics of the patrons that we've got here. First and foremost, um, uh, we'll kind of talk about how patrons work. They're designed around group assistance, give, and then gaining perks and assignments. Yeah. Um, so, one of the rules that kind of shocked me right out the gate: um, how group assistance is oh, designed oh, yeah. to work. So, so we were just talking about this, I think, on a recent episode. Maybe it was just in in our own chat, but. If you have a group patron, you now have the uh, ability as a player to grant inspiration to other members of the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works just like regular inspiration works. It's the same thing, except you get to grant it, and you can't grant it more than once per long rest to yeah. each party member. Uh, well, actually, I think it's just you. once you grant it once, yeah. period you can't grant it again and you can't grant it to yourself correct right right yeah you have to give it to somebody else yeah i like it i mean i do too i to me it's like well i don't really think that this is necessarily even a group patrons thing it feels like a thought that they had for a 
a way to do this, and they just plugged it into group patrons as an idea. But mm-hmm. I, I don't see why you couldn't do this even if your group doesn't have a patron. It's very reasonable in my opinion, and it mm. it helps inspire party cohesion across the board. So, um, just a little note there. Then and then again, we'll talk about perks, which we'll get into in a moment. How perks work, but every patron has a set of perks that you get for it. And then last but not least, um, they have suggestions for assignments and types of assignments that yeah. your patron will get. These are like quest hooks. Um, cut, yep. plain and simple, these are quest hooks. And um, I like that they gave us some suggestions here for how these are, how each patron has a different type of quest that they might be after. You'll see some some similarities between them, especially in a couple areas. Um, but by and large, that's what it is. Uh, so that's how a patron, uh, like an overarching view of how they work. But each patron is divided up into uh, four parts. So there's eight different types of group patrons that they list here. Um, real quick, I'll rattle those off. There's the Academy, an Ancient Bean, an Aristocrat, a Criminal Syndicate, a Guild, a Military Force, a Religious Order, and a Sovereign. And each one of those has a type, perks, a contact that you get there, um, and quests, and then also the roles that we talked about. Um, yeah. How your backgrounds allow amongst, you to amongst integrate. other things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's 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 five different things that you kind of look through. Um, each one of them maybe flavors those five aspects a little bit differently, but they all are in practice the same mechanically speaking they're giving the same types of things um so i think you know there's eight of these um what what which ones of these drew your attention fellas uh first two the first two for me Hmm. Um, mine was uh mine was academy and military force in particular so troy yours was academy and ancient being john yours was academy and military yep um, I really dug the um, the religious order just because I think that would be interesting. Um, and then I also thought some of the ideas that they had for Criminal Syndicate was cool. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot to like in all of these. Um, overall, let, you guys seem to like Academy. I also like Academy. Let's talk about Academy as kind of our, maybe our... Okay core example here mm-hmm. and we don't have to we're not going to go line by line for each one of these i don't think so let's use academy as our kind of gaze and then if we want to briefly touch on other elements of other ones i think we can do that afterwards um so uh john uh talk to us about uh academies what drew your attention to that one um well it's no secret that i love Dragonlance, and one of my favorite parts <laughs> of Dragonlance. <laughs> Listen, man, both of them, I like, there's a reason why I like them both, okay? Uh, the Tower of High Sorcery, man. Uh, not only, okay, so let me let me say this too. I'd already fleshed out two two factions, or what I referred to as factions at the time, because that's essentially the the terminology that we were using in, in the PHB, whatever, 5th edition came out. So whenever, if I were to ever play in, a, in, a, in the setting, right? So I wanted to be able to flesh that out in, in case I had a wizard that was in it, etc., right? So a lot of what I'm seeing in here, or there are similarities w- with what I see in there in in this versus what I've already put together. But this actually helps me flesh it out just a bit more because now I see exactly the direction that they were going in with it and creating some additional flex, right, for the for the players to have some agency in it. In it. So, um, I mean, in the academy types, right, you've got boarding schools, emerald or arcane enclaves, secret monasteries, vault of secrets, right? So arcane enclave. Uh, drawn together by cutting-edge magical scholarship, enclaves, residents are hungry for secrets, uh, reagents, and, uh, and subjects. They pretty much, if you had put in there the Tower of High Sorcery, like a, major, a, majocracy, a majocracy, uh or a political organization, I mean, that's pretty much what that is, right? And so Academy perks, things like compensation, documentation, research, access to spell books, uh, access to different magical items and things like that, resources that are in there, right? Stuff like that is, uh, if you're going to be part of the the, the Tower of High Sorcery in, in a Dragonlance campaign, 
well, what good is it? What's it going to do you, right? You're forced into it anyway once you hit fifth level, right? You can cast Fireball now. This went from being a cordial invitation to the, to the tower to um, if you don't show up at our doorstep by XYZ, take the test, we're going to hunt you down and either uh, kill you or we're going to imprison you. Right, in order yeah. to say to keep you to keep the world safe from 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 what you're doing, right? So, aside from like if you're if you're shoehorning a wizard into that anyway, there has to be a benefit to it. And so this is exactly what like this is you got everything that you need here to, to build off on that. One of the things that I really like about perks. So so you said compensation. You get like a one gold per day mm-hmm. budget. Basically, documentation allows you to help with research, which is the next one, right? So they give you um, a way, documentation is like identification as a member of the academy. Oh, I love so that. You have that that you can carry mm-hmm. to things. Research allows you to uh, research lore and things like that um, in downtime. Resources um, are, you know, if you need uh, a workstation or a library or whatever for part of your studies or your mm-hmm. quests, that's a way to do it. And training is a way this is the mechanical crunchiness of it, but this is where you can learn, pick up new skill proficiencies and languages and things like that. Um, what I love about this perk section is how, in all of these, in all of the different different groups, how heavily they reference things that are already in the DMG. Yep. Yeah. Um, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. There's just already to read that book. That's what they're trying. Right. To do. Yeah. They're they're pointing backwards <laughs> at it and saying it's this. It's right here. Just use this in this way. Um, so training is a big part um, that you already could do in the DMG, but now we can do as part of your as part of your group patron. And you're going to now have play. My expectation is, if you're a DM, your players are now going to be bringing. If you if they have a group patron, they're going to be saying, "Hey, my one of our perks is training." And we want to learn, I want to learn uh, the history skill, yep. or I want to learn this new language. How do yep. we do that? And you as the DM are going to have to crack open the DMG uh, for the first time in six months and say, oh, yes, uh, right here. That's how you train for a language. Uh, six there we months. go. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, three years. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I love it. Uh, for, for that standpoint, I think they do a great job. I... The academy to me, just reading the perks, it got my mind working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the documentation. Yeah. That right. alone, just reading documentation, you now have identifying papers mm-hmm. as to who you are. You now can be that group to flip out your badge. Mm-hmm. And no, I I'm taking over this area right now, or <laughs> yeah. you're going to let me in. You know that kind of thing, and it's a, you know that could be a double edged sword. But that is a cool, yeah, flavor element. The the research and resources. I put those two together yeah. because you now have your own Q branch. Yeah, you're yeah. sending back the information, and Q is is working his his magic and trying to figure out what to do with it and sending you stuff. The training, like you said, yeah. Uh, they even went so far as to give you your connection to the academy. And I love the fact that like one of them is like a groundskeeper. Yeah. That's the academy right. contact, uh, yeah. which each, which each patron well, has is it's your also, kind of connection to it. Yeah. It's also the, your factotum. You can, you can be, you can be one of those different, mm-hmm. you could be a student or you can be faculty or what, you know, or you can be, you can be Hagrid that's going on <laughs> missions for the academy kind of thing. Hey, where's the custodian? I don't know. I haven't seen him in a week. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I really like it. I will say the one thing that kind of shocked me is how, and it doesn't matter because a party is only ever going to have one group patron in my mind, or it gets really dicey if you have more than one. Um, But these are not balanced one against the other. Right? No. Yeah. Um, And because, like, in my mind, if if I'm reading this as a player, and looking through all of the perks of an academy, and then I scroll down to Ancient Bean, Ancient Bean gets some amazing stuff in comparison to the academy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you might not like the Ancient Bean as much as you like the academy as far as what they're asking you to do or what type of creature they are or whatever. Uh, there may be some fear that is instilled in you by that 
that sort of person or creature. But but whereas you get training here, which is cool, um, you know, an ancient being, you get strange gifts. Yeah. Um, which is and and magical equipment um, as perks of being uh, of being their follower. To me. If you're just looking from a truly mechanical aspect or like what's going to get my character more powerful, probably you're going to be drawn to certain groups more so than others. But at the end of the day, I think the 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 kind of overriding aspect of this is you as a party have to agree, right? Mm-hmm. So you might be drawn to, oh, I would love to work for this lich shown here in the book as a patron. Um but if the party's like, hell no, we're not working for a lich, um, you may have to compromise. Well, that's but. well, and what's great about that too, though, is it's not, even though it's set in stone in the book, right? Like to Troy's point, it all it does is it, it opens up the possibilities, right? Yeah. I'm not good, I'm just because I love Academy. Academy gives me the framework to work off of in order to see how the, the game, the designers of the game put together a patron but then i can put i can take that and cobble something else together with it or i can take the eight examples that they've given us i can create my own if i want to yeah. right you can Absolutely. have your own men in like your own men in black or your own uh, uh the uh, bureau for paranormal exactly. research the in there yeah you could do yeah. you, uh, exactly you could you can put you can do anything that you want to with it from, yeah, from here now that you've got the framework for like, it uh, uh the elite institute the the things that came to my head um are uh, like a special ops team, like Six Underground, the movie yeah. on Netflix, or The Old Guard, or even even John Wick. Mm-hmm. That kind of a concept. The Assassins Guild, yeah. The, the mm-hmm. Assassins Guild, um, or it could even be it could even be uh, Xavier School for the Gifted. Mm-hmm. You know that Definitely. kind of thing. Uh, the yeah. Vault of Secrets, the things that popped into my head. The Librarian movies, Warehouse Thirteen, Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. Or even, even, even that horribly failed attempt at at the Mummy movie with Tom Cruise. <laughs> that whole what that was trying to lay the groundwork for is is this academy, right? So the last part of the academy is quests, and they have a D six uh, chart with different things, and we won't read the the whole sentence for each one, but types of quests that they suggest are aberrant zoology. Um, arcano dynamics. Um, I love these. I love these words. Yeah, forbidden history, crypto geography, restorative antiquarianism, and evolutionary divinity. Um, and then they kind of give how, how those could play in uh, as descriptions. This is the part that I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead of just a I, quick, like a quick chart. To roll I on, want, I want like a D twenty chart instead of a D six, right? Because maybe there we are should s- make one for DMs. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <gasps> yeah, um, because there's some here, and uh, I'm going to speak to which one was it? Um, uh, it it doesn't really matter. I shouldn't be pulling up specific ones, but there are certain ones in these quests that are very specific. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that are very generalized. And these are quest hooks. So, like, there's one that is an astral heist. And I'm not seeing it here. Uh, I think it's actually... That's ancient beings. Ancient beings, yeah. Astral heist, which talks about this cool idea of a mind vault in the astral plane. But there's no guide for how how to make that happen. And so you, as a DM, are either need to kind of really conceive of this very specific idea or it doesn't do you a whole lot of good if you can't if you're looking at it and you're like i i don't like that seems like a lot of work when when and there's not a whole i guarantee you there's not a mind vault heist in the astral plane on the dm's guild for you to go grab um so you're gonna be making that whole cloth not yet um somebody should go and make the a mini quest for each one of these quest hooks but um I, I would have liked to have seen, if we're going to be this specific, I want to have a lot of these so I can see one that actually inspires me or that I can, I'm like, oh, I, I can make that or, oh, I can go grab that on the DMs Guild. Um, that would have been nice or general enough that 
when if I was to look at this that I it's not oh I have to make this very specific thing but it's oh this is a type of thing that I could do um, mm-hmm. so either more general or more specific and more of it um, small complaint um, in the in the grand scope of things well I think that's there's some there they tend to do that with the, in this book I've noticed that you've got just under what 200 pages mm-hmm. and then it almost seems like they've got some stuff in here that they're, they're great seeds but it's not it's like they just didn't go another page or two more into it in order to really flesh it out and give us some additional bones. It's got, it gives you the bones, but not the meat, you know? So yeah. that's, that seems yeah. to be kind of a recurring thing with this book. But there again, it, it kind of also plays to what we've kind of been joking about, the whole DMs Guild thing. Because sure. I know for sure that there's gonna, there are some phenomenal designers out there that have looked at these things and had these same exact thoughts. Oh, what is an astral heist? Mm-hmm. I need to make that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So Fair we're enough. we're going to see, we're going to see that stuff eventually. Yeah, I, I'm mainly thinking about. Th- remember in Xanathar's where they had tables of names in the back of the book, and mm-hmm. there was 50 names for male and 50 names for female for like all the players' handbook races. Mm-hmm. Like that is like the level that I wish they not maybe 50, but like that's the level at which I feel like they could yeah. have done these tables. If you're going to do names in that much, let's do quest hooks in that much for something like this, especially well, if we're doing a low page count book to begin with. I mean, let's be fair coming up with 50 names is a lot easier than coming up with even sure. 20 of these quest hooks with names like Arcano dynamics and restorative <laughs> antiquarianism. Sure. Fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, um, I, I kind of feel like these are even more than quest hooks, or could be. They're more like campaign hooks. They could be, absolutely. Different ones, different things. Um, they, well, I, I kind of look at them, they're not necessarily just quest hooks. I also look at them as um, motivations for your group, for a person or a group, mm-hmm. right? It's like uh, it when you are on a quest, when you're in the campaign, you're doing Storm King's Thunder, you're doing Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. What what is your character? What are your characters doing in the dungeon? They're looking for this these other things here. They're studying these runes, very being very specific. And what it does is it opens up the groundwork for more RP. That is uh, that kind of like there's a synergy between the group and the RP. They're like all working towards the same goal with one another. Outside of yeah. just yeah. what's written down in the in the campaign module. One hundred percent. So. It, it, Anything else? Uh, we kind of now we've kind of gone over one of them, and we've referenced others in passing. Um, are there any high notes or low notes that you were drawn to in any of the other group patrons? Any of uh, for me? Where'd it go? Yeah. Uh, if anybody else has something, um, I have. I have one, but I'll, I'll go last because I'm looking at this as a different a different kind of thing. So I'll dive in then. Um, I the, the the low note here, and I'm being overly picky, but um, and 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 again, this is a perfect opportunity for someone on the DMs to go to slide in and give me what I want. Um, but I think that there's a redundancy in the aristocrat and sovereign group patrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's if fair. you look at the the um, perks and contact and and quests and everything they're very very similar across the board i would have rather seen academy being like non-arcane study and i would have rather seen uh like arcanists uh, tower or something like that Mm -hmm. as a magic focused patron group or patron um you know where you could go talk to a, a group of mages or a group of wizards or sorcerers academy or whatever uh, and then le- let academy the the general academy be saved for things like well just non-magic in general because um, i feel like if any of these feel overly general it's academy because you like john you said it literally covers everything from high magic to a boarding school right and i would have liked to have seen that fleshed out a bit more or if not like they've got criminal organization and they've got 
academy like where's the where's the one that is that is the where, where's shield where is bprd where is yeah. mib where where are those like it's the clandestine organization government? that is all of would that be maybe not okay? even government necessarily or like uh the kingsman Kingsman, Kingsman were not part of a, a, a they're not a governmental maybe force. military force, but yeah. <clears throat> maybe? But you know what I mean, yeah. right? It's it's not mm-hmm. a military structure where you've got ranks like sergeant, captain, mm-hmm. commander, Fair. things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It instead it is the it is outside of the law. It's almost like a not a it's like a vigilante group. It's superheroes, right? It's the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen well, type of thing, right? I think right? they they kind of phrase that as guild because they they say that an example of of a guild is not okay. just these things but the Harpers as well. I got you. Okay. But yeah, I could see that. It's it I, I agree that there there's elements here that you could flesh out. And and again, these are examples that they're handing. So it's right. They're not saying this is the comprehensive list and yeah. everything should fit perfectly in one of these, but they should But to that them. end, I mean if you look at this, like this they've given you enough to we keep saying this. So creators get out there and t- show me more group patrons that fit the fit the oh, bill, yeah. right? What are we missing, right? Well, the so the other one uh, that I would like to see would have liked to have seen is extra planar. I know that we have ancient being, but where is the and 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 you could fit them in one of these others maybe, but like where's the arch devil, or the or maybe a lesser devil, right? Maybe a horn devil as an example. Like I would like to have seen that like idea of this is a patron who's a powerful creature, but not an ancient creature. But are they are they saving that kind of for the warlock path? You know, what I mean, that's 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 essentially a warlock patron. Yeah. Is the infernal patron, right? Yes, but I, I think but, that there's th- going to be a lot of similarities. This here. is where we're using the same word for two different things, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's going to be tricky, right? Because your warlock could have a completely different patron than what your group does, which I think is going to be mm-hmm. interesting. Um, it'll be, I though I would love to see a group of warlocks playing together that are all tied to the same ancient being, right? Like. Mm-hmm. That could be fun, like and that, as an yeah. element. That um, actually ties into what I what I'm thinking. Oh, perfect. Because when I'm when I was looking at this and I, and I got to ancient beings, I'm like, this is what the warlock class has needed since day one. Because one of the gripes that I've always had with the warlock class is, okay, you pick you picked your patron, you picked your pack. Name me name me any campaign other than Critical Role that, that has ever come into play ever again. It's just powers on a list. Mm-hmm. How many? How many? I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure people can can yell at me or whatever. But more often than not, it is the player just using the powers, blah blah blah, never trying to interact with the patron. The DM doesn't do anything with the patron. You know this this being this patron should be watching what this person is doing you that person made some kind of a deal with you with it mm-hmm. to get the powers that it has where's the, where's the connection where's the contact where's the no i want you to go and do this oh i'm going to take this i'm going to save this person no you're not i told you to go do this you know it's that kind the, of thing. the quote at the beginning of the ancient being the tasha quote is anytime an unfathomably powerful entity sweeps in and offers godlike rewards in return for just a few teensy favors it's a scam yeah unless it's me uh, yeah unless it's me <laughs> uh and i'm like that that is that 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 is an excellent statement that is not true for the warlock <laughs> right and that's what and that's what yeah. cuz so i'm looking at this this group patron this ancient being and no longer has this become a group patron for me. This is what I'm going to use now going forward for characters in my campaigns that are warlocks. Mm-hmm. It yeah, is yeah. a personal patron. You, yeah. And this is because this, this is like, oh, this is perfect. This helps. Yeah. This gives you that backbone, that background. Wouldn't it be interesting if you had a warlock who had like the infernal patron as an example, right? Uh, if, uh, they can, you know, early on, like in in session zero or whatever, they convince the group that their patron should be the group patron. Like, oh yeah, oh I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm already working for them, but we should all work for them so we get these great perks, right? <laughs> and the 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 warlock becomes the salesman, the the uh, 
the path to the damned. You know, the, the fight <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, is, like there, there's a great example of that out there. It's Critical Role. Oh yeah, you've got Jester worshiping, or you know, the the Traveler, and she gets everybody else in the group to do well, stuff a, just because, just because yeah, the Traveler. Even uh, Caduceus, right? Who uh, and we're talking Critical Role here, which probably half our audience doesn't care about, but uh, yeah, Caduceus, yeah. the cleric. Uh, shifts the the warlock from following his patron yeah. to fi- following the druidic wild mother and actually changing class in addition to everything else. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely that like shift. Um, anyhow, I think that would be really cool as a warlock. I think it would behoove you to get the rest of your party on board and make your personal patron the group patron. And now, now the campaign is now heavily centralized around the idea of you have somebody who's watching over you or for for more dm fun use this ancient being as the backbone for your your warlock patron and then the group picks a different group group patron so now you've got this other patron at odds yeah at odds and then what happens i mean or use like i'm looking here at ancient being what if uh so the big bad of storm king's thunder is a dragon and one of the ancient being patron options is a drag an elder dragon. What yeah. if uh what if she is your group patron, but she's also the big bad at the end? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that could be fun. So we were talking hang on. So we were talking about some other some things that were their low points for us. I wouldn't call it a low point necessarily. I'd call it an, a missed opportunity. Is, is in some way it would be nice to see like a tie in with renown. With this, like how, like how does renown? Do, do they par- compartmentalize? Do this, would they start compartmentalizing renown in that you have renown in in this for, with this patron or having renown up to this point gives you this and things like that, right? To, in order, like a sense of scale, like yeah. it, or because as it stands right now, if you got it, you got it, and that's pretty much just yeah. the end of yeah. it. And whatever perks I, you get are the ones that you get. And and I and there's I'm not sure which one it was in, but it was kind of talking about. How at first, you know, you're 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 getting your jobs from so and so, and then mm-hmm. now you're getting your jobs from this person, you know. It, but yeah, the, there, it would be nice to have like, some kind loose. of a, me- a mechanic, right? Yeah, well, that's essentially what I ended up doing. Whenever I did the the Tower of High Sorcery, is not only did you gain when you gain renown within the organization, you would gain different titles in the organization. You'd yep. have different attitudes from people that were in the organization as you gained renown. Like at the very beginning, your people are indifferent to you. In certain organizations, when you first step in the door, they're like, yeah, who do you think you are? Some are hostile towards you. Like if you were in a thieves guild, maybe everyone hates you at first because you're the new guy or the new girl, right? Um, And then as those things, as you gain additional renown, well, you may not like me, but you're going to respect me, right? So they at least start outwardly behaving friendly towards you. So that's the kind of thing that would have been nice in this. But I mean, like, honestly, this is enough to to go off of to where I can... Graph that you on. Can, oh, easy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And Again, another DM's guild item or, or uh, idea, right? I'll do the little plug uh, because we were talking about it last night. But uh, David Barentine's book, when it comes out, um, he has six. I think it's six guilds, and he does a very, very good job of that renown system, giving you different uh, titles and perks and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so. There's plenty, and you said you do it. Uh, I haven't done it, I don't think, in any of my campaigns yet. But, like, there's examples of it out there. And I'm sure that David and John aren't the only DMs to have put something like that together. And it's probably on the DMs Guild. We just need one now that slides neatly into this. And then you can pick it up and and have all the work done for you. Um, At the end of this section, I think the last thing for this this chapter is being your own patron. Yeah, being your own patron. And they just touch on it briefly, um, and I think we can do the same. This is, in my mind, (laughs) this is where you say, uh, see Strongholds and Followers and the rest of Colville's stuff. Because (laughs) um, there's only three paragraphs here. They say just basically use it like running a business in the DMG. Yeah. That is not going to be satisfactory for your players, in my opinion. Uh, but the brilliance of it is that literally this is you just plug in Colville's strongholds and followers here, and you're good. Yeah. To go. 
Um, Which is brilliant. It's way more complex, but if you're the patron, your job is a whole lot more complex. So, um, and then uh, Kingdoms comes, Kingdoms and Warfare is coming out soon too, I think uh, next year, and Mm -hmm. and it'll see a continuation of that rule set. So, yeah, which you're kind of, you know, you're getting into that whole uh, birthright Mm -hmm. campaign setting Mm -hmm. uh, mindset there. Well, and to be fair, to be fair, like the, the kingdoms and follow there's a reason why strongholds and followers is as big a book as it is right there's yeah. there's a lot that's to it then another i'm with you that three paragraphs this doesn't seem like enough for them to in order for them to kind of like to, to sign off on the remainder of the group patrons section right that last yeah. chapter just seems like it was overly abbreviated but it, it does stand a reason that there are going to be other products out there because D is supposed to have one kind of feel to it mm-hmm. and then you have these bolt-ons that will make it feel differently but it's not the core D philosophy or the feel that goes with it and that's exactly why why the strongholds and followers book was and is what it is you know same thing goes for kingdoms and warfare uh, that th- and it, i think that's okay yeah yeah and 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 honestly you can you can take the rules for the example patrons and do a loose graph that mm-hmm. makes you your own patron. Um, you don't oh, have yeah. to c- conceive of overly complex stuff. But if somebody wants to be the patron, they probably have in mind this idea of overseeing an organization and calling a lot of shots and having their own stronghold and or kingdom or domain or whatever. And yeah, you just need to go buy Colville stuff at that point. Yep. Uh, cool. Uh, is there anything else, fellas, as we wrap this up here, is there anything else that we should touch on uh, for chapter two of Tosh. Okay, so Academy equals Tower of High Sorcery, Military Force equals Knights of Thalamnia, and Religious Order equals the Holy Order of Stars. And I'm done. <laughs> There's more to it than that in my notes, obviously. Just but, keep uh, going. Just, just fill out the rest of them. You I mean, I can. Do you, do you, do you, like, you want to go another hour, man? I mean, like, all right, man, here we go. No, you just do what you just <laughs> did. Okay, the ancient being would be... Uh, who would the ancient being be exactly? Uh, Takesis, maybe. Well, Takesis is devo- is a god, right? So that'd be part of a religious order. That'd be a cleric. That's what it, you know. Okay. You owe your allegiance to a religious order. The, the Knights of Takesis or uh, Naraka uh, or whatever. Aristocrat. Aristocrat. Uh, what king? Uh, probably like uh, the Qualinet, like the Speaker of the Sun, or like if it's an Arist- that'd be a sovereign. It's Speaker of the Sun, the Speaker of the Stars for the the, the Elves, the Sylvanesti and the Qualinesti. I mean, are we really going to do this? Are we Criminal, really doing this? Criminal, hey, you started it. Criminal Syndicate, get it out of your system, man. Every kinder on Kren. Every kinder. Every on single Kren. one. Okay. They're all. They're all in. The, they're all in cahoots with one another. Bless them. I love the, them. The, a guild. Uh, they don't really talk about it, guilds a lot in in uh, Dragonlance. I'm sure there are. I mean, like any kind of guild that's in there. But I, I can't really recall one. Of course, all the Dragonlance nerds are going to flay me at the end of this. Like, oh my god, you don't remember this one thing in this book that you never. Eh, I don't know. Uh, well, the the criminal syndicate can be either the Kinder or Gully Dwarves, honestly. So, why not? I I don't see either <laughs> of them being organized enough to be. A that's true, actually. They don't even know how many there are. No more than two. That's that's what they is that was no more than two. No more than two. So, anyway. yeah. Okay. Can we cut, we can I'm just gonna, cut I'm that gonna, out I'm of the podcast later. Right <laughs> uh, Look. No. I was good with just saying my three things, and then Troy hey, totally baited me into more. I'm trying to get you to get so. it out of your system. <laughs> this, no. There's never... It's I not happening. It's, it's all right. It's all right. No so shame. I think our next episode... Will be Dragon is going, Yeah, it's going to be... No. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the character options in Tasha's. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my suspicion is we, we bite off the big part of the apple um, next time, and we talk about the subclasses. Mm-hmm. Um, fair warning, dear listeners, we are not going to cover all of them. There is too many, and uh, not all of them are. Not all of them feel new, um, mm-hmm. because they're not new. Um, so we're gonna be we're gonna be choosy, um, and we're probably gonna highlight the ones that we really like. Um, but we're gonna dive into some of those and and give a good chat about them. Because uh, there are some really cool ones in there, and some new ones that that maybe you aren't as familiar with. Uh, but I'd say eighty percent of these were in on, on Arthurcana. Maybe all of them were in on Arthurcana at some point. Mm-hmm. So if you follow that, none of these were a surprise to you. Uh, so we don't. 
I don't personally feel the need to to do a deep dive into them mechanically. Right. Um, so, but we're going to cover those. Um, we're going to talk about uh, at some point the, the very beginning of the book, like changing skills, changing your subclass, customizing your origin, all that. Those new rule optional rules, and um, then we may uh, we may or may not do a discussion on puzzles at some point because there's a good section on that at the tail end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we may intersperse these episodes with some others as well. I did reach out to our, our friend Mike, and we'll see what happens, but about uh, doing our update on Rime of the Frost Maiden as a story um, yeah. here soon. So hopefully, uh, my suspicion is probably first part of December, so we'll get that episode in the can. So, All right, I think that's it. I think good. we did another uh, successful uh, successful um, live episode. Thanks to everybody who tuned <laughs> in. Um, and thanks to our dear listeners who still tune in uh, audibly to the podcast. Um, if you would like to be notified when we go live, uh, these are being live streamed on the Drifters Atlas Twitch stream. When they happen, we try to post a Facebook notification when we go live, uh, uh, giving you a heads up beforehand. Uh, so you can follow us on Facebook at Bite Size Gaming. Um, we'll try to give more notice next time. Yeah, I, I, we, we gave like <laughs> half. Uh, most of the time, honestly, a day is about what you're going to get. Uh, so, but you, if you really, really want to keep an eye on it, uh, you can not only like our page on Facebook, but click the uh, notification icon to get notified as soon as we post. Uh, so you can see it right away. And also uh, Twitch. Um, you can click the bell icon and get a notification blasted to your phone as soon as we go live. If that's something, if you just don't want to miss seeing our ugly mugs uh, <laughs> once every week or so, that's a way to do it. Uh, so I think that's going to round us out. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks, yeah, Troy. Thanks, thanks for John for uh, Thank you. hanging out once more. And uh, for now, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Stay safe out there. Good games, everybody. Bye.